At RCR, we're on a mission to revive honest media, to report on critical censored stories, and to hold those in positions of power to account. But to make this happen, RCR needs to grow, and grow fast. For that, we need your support. Our Foundation Members Club is now open. Join us today and play your part in bringing back media you can trust. Learn more at www.realitycheck.radio forward slash members and see how you can join the mission that's making a difference. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. All right, it's Tuesday morning time for another Tech Tuesday. I'm welcoming Stephen Sykes back on to RCR for our Tech Tuesday. Hi, Stephen. Hey, how you doing? Good morning. Not not too bad. Ready to talk tech. I uh, don't think we have an actual topic today. Am I right? Yes, right. I'll just sort of go over a few different um, interesting things that uh, caught my eye, some of the things that uh, uh, might be a little bit left field, uh, things you might not have con- considered even thinking about. So. Uh, Okay, if if left field is left field, what is right field? Things that we already know or things that don't surprise us? Uh, Probably the other, the um, right field uh, are common topics. Oh, what about ultra right field? Is there such a thing? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We'll have to define it. I'm sure sure many people would be pigeonholed into that. Whatever. Just curious because you hear left field a lot. Mm. Okay, before we get into some of those, do we have any correspondence from our Tech Tuesday listeners. Yeah, so last time we were talking about Chromebooks and laptops and schools, and yep. so that um, got a few responses. So somebody writes that, my children's school brings in mandatory Chromebooks at year three. A group of us went to the school to try to change this recently. They couldn't give us any reasoning at all why it was necessary so young from seven years old, but didn't want to hear about our worries at all. Meanwhile, the standard of reading and writing continues to drop. So no reason given, because that is young. That's so young. And I think mm. um, I think we touched on that last time, last week when we talked about this. Yes. I think I was the uh, squeaky wheel um, that that sort of sweated out why why so early, why so young. I mean, kids got to be kids, right? <laughs> well, year three. Yeah. I mean, you've barely sort of found your feet at school by then, really. Yeah, yeah. And and then, well, I guess they, they get exposed to it at home. And it's, it's like, well, these parents are doing this. So you end up trying to play, keep up, keeping up with the Joneses. So then others follow suit. And of course, there's the ones that have the capacity for critical thinking and ask, is this a good idea? Well, you know, you go and ask them why. Give me a reason for the age. Where's your research? Where's your data? Yeah. It's not just something you pull out from your trousers, like the mandatory six-foot social distancing distance, which was completely made up. So you expect some sort of convincing answer based on some knowledge, but no. No, there isn't one. No. So, you know, what does that tell you? So this next item of feedback is actually from a teacher. Uh, She writes... Uh, Hi, Paul. Tech Talk today is interesting to me as a teacher who has suffered from cell phones in classrooms. The Uh kids' concentration has deteriorated over the years. Education has suffered. They must be banned. I think that's the policy, isn't it, of the new coalition government? I don't know the actual 
sort of granular details of that, but I've heard that too, but I mean that's cell phones with right. distractions on communicating with others, which is to me that's a bit different from bringing in things like laptops and Chromebooks. Yeah. Um, from kids for kids that are seven. I mean, no one prior to fourteen minimum should really have one unless they keep it away from their head because of the thickness of the skull, which um, is quite of thin course when, EMF. EMF. Yeah, yeah, when they're younger. Um, and, so, and and if the um, standards are slipping, then obviously they don't work in that area anyway. And I should also think that you could go to your school and go, well, prove that what you're getting us to do is actually safe. Yeah. Don't assume that it is. Prove that it is. They, but they can't do is. that. You, you no. know, Stephen, that they can't do that. I know, which is why you asked the question. Yeah. Because somebody well, else says that boards of trustees and principals know they are liable, so that's why they won't admit and agree with someone like Steve, this correspondent writes. Oh, okay. Oh, dear. It's um, reoccur a reoccurring pattern, isn't it? Okay. Any uh, other correspondence to mention? I, I did uh, hear from somebody uh, who did reach out to say they would be interested in having me come to their daughter's school. I have since written back, but I haven't had a reply to my response. But if, it doesn't have to be in person, of course. So, you know, if anybody wants to chew the fat about this electronically, I mean, we have things like Zoom and stuff like that anymore. So um, ge geography has no... Um, yeah. Imposes no boundaries anymore these days, so that offer still stands and will stand forevermore. You know, though, that they probably don't want to hear what you have to say in the school, Stephen, because it's too challenging. And just that we've touched on just a moment ago, it seems that uh, their efforts don't result in any uptick in, you know, kids doing better. Oh, I thought this was a bit about education. My bad. No, I might, I might miss something too. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, hopefully you'll get a reply, but like you say, you don't have to physically be there. Yeah. You can beam in, as they I say. I can, as they say. All right, well, thanks, folks, for uh, being in touch with Tech Tuesday to inbox at realitycheck.radio, and you can probably text as well, 2057, and uh, they will find their way through to Stephen. All right, where do we start on some of the tech issues slash news slash things we should know about from the past week or so? Where do you want to start? Well, um, you might recall a while ago we um, talked about privacy in cars. So um, there's been a development that Mozilla has reported that U.S. Senator Edward J. Markey has directly challenged the CEOs of many of the car companies, and he's written letters to many of them. Um, he, he's basically said that, um, and I quote, a recent report from Mozilla revealed unfettered data collection and privacy intrusions across swaths of the automobile industry. These business practices must end. In the light of these concerning reports, I am writing to request additional information about your company's policies on data collection, use and disclosure. I also urge your company to implement and enforce strong privacy protections for consumers to ensure that cars do not become another critical era, area where privacy is disappearing. And you can download um, from his uh, website, um, marky.senate.gov, an 84-page PDF that has copies of the letters that are sent to various car companies. Uh, which includes Ford, GM, Honda, Hyundai, Kia, Mazda. And I say Mazda because 
Um, there was someone who wrote in asking, was Mazda on the top 25? And it wasn't, but this senator has written to Mazda asking anyway. Uh, also includes Mercedes-Benz, Nissan, um, Solantis, which I think could be Chrysler, Subaru, Tesla, Toyota, VW, and BMW. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. Uh, maybe, though, it's a bit too late. They're already kind of doing it. Well, the um, when you look at the letters, um, the, the questions are, are kind of interesting, um, and they're very easily spelled out. Like the first one is like, does your company collect user data from its vehicles, including but not limited to the actions, behaviors, or personal information of any owner or user? And then um, divides that up into a further seven or so questions. Um, so it's um, it's quite clear. So uh, I think there's been some good pressure applied there. Uh, which might cause uh, vehicle manufacturers to um, have a rethink. Do you think they will? I think if everybody keeps applying pressure, they won't have a choice. Or one model or one brand sells better as a, res a result, that they could sharpen their minds. But I think, you know, again, that um, I mean, it's great the senator has done this, yeah. but I think a lot more people need to and I've said this a lot, people need to care about the way their data is collected, used and abused. Yeah, but they don't. <laughs> but they should. I know they should. I know they should. You can lead a horse to water. What's the uh, vehicle um, version of that uh, uh, that uh, analogy? You can, you can take the car to the uh, petrol bowser, but you can't fill it up. There you go. And I see <laughs> the Cybertrucks in production. Mm. or Tesla, and, um, I mean, it's, it almost doesn't look real. It, it reminds me of a vehicle that I saw in a, in a TV program when I was a kid, and it wasn't very popular, but I think it was called The Ark. Oh, okay. That's, well, that's what it reminds me of. Um, I've seen a few reviews of it, just catching up over the weekend, just gone, and uh, people saying good things about it, but it's, Range and unit cost is still the yeah the thing that uh, Tesla is wrestling with. Okay, I was in Auckland um, last few days of uh, of last week, and Tesla's everywhere, common as muck. Oh yeah, they are. It's and they all look the same. Yeah, so do the people who drive them. <laughs> all right, US returning to the moon. Yeah, so... some would say they never went. Yes. Not me, by the way. Never, someone say they never went. Um, but they're going to um, sending an unmanned um, craft to the, uh, that's due to land on January the 25th. Oh, unmanned. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is this – is, I can uh, stand down on my excitement. Okay. Yeah. Um, although that's supposed to happen sometime after that. So uh, they've got – the lander is called um, – I think it's called Peregrine. P-E-R-E-G-I-N-E. -E. Um, so it's been developed by a private company called uh, Astrobotic. Um, the idea is for it to study the lunar environment for anticipation of one day there being manned missions again. And it'll, um, even though it's uh, launching on December the 24th from Florida, it's going to spend a while in orbit um, I'd only take a few days to get there. It's not that far. Um, you still have to take a cut lunch if you were going to be a manned mission. Yeah. Um, 
but it has to wait um, until later January before landing so that light conditions and the target location are just right for when it uh, touches down. And this is all um, happening with a long-term effect of trying to establish a lunar economy. Oh, I see. And and whoever gets there first gets all the goodies? Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, I know that, um, you know, back in the Apollo days, it was a staged rocket affair, wasn't it, with Saturn V? Mm. First big stage to get it off the off the deck and out of the atmosphere, the, the second one to get it into orbit, the third one to uh, trans-lunar injection and what they ever, whatever they called it, and it took, what, two and a half, three days to get there. And they did that incredible maneuver where they pulled the um, the lem out of its sort of housing and docked it to the to the mothership, et cetera. My claim to fame, one of them, is I've met the first and last man to walk on the moon and shaken their hands. Oh, wow. Neil Armstrong yep. and Captain Eugene Cernan. And, of course, I was aware that there was debate um, raging, not not so much then, but there was a bit as to whether it would happen, had happened or not. And my take from meeting the people is there was something about them that you couldn't get without the experience. Mm, yeah. So um, having seen the hardware. So that's uh, that's what I'd say about that. Though I, ha- I, I have trouble accepting this taking this long to do what was done 50 years ago again. Yeah, 50, yeah, exactly. It, it, I don't know why, but there it is. Yep. And then um, uh, on to um, Mars is the next thing, and that, that requires a base on the moon, doesn't it? Apart yeah. from going there and digging up all the minerals, which will be what they're thinking of, I would imagine. I would imagine too, yeah, see what can be harvested. Yeah. Um, so, a little so, while ago, um, Charlie uh, Holtz posted on the Platform X a video where he uses GPT-4 vision and a Python script where uh, David Attenborough basically narrates his life. So mm. he's got he's, he's in a cafe and he's got it set up with his laptop and the camera on the laptop takes an image every five seconds and the AI analyzes the pictures um, taken. So um, I'll read up the, the transcript. So here's this guy sitting in front of his laptop, and you hear um, David Attenborough's voice say, Here we have a remarkable specimen of Homo sapiens, distinguished by his silver circular spectacles and mane of tousled curly locks. He's wearing what appears to be a blue fabric covering, which can only be assumed to be part of his mating display. Look closely at the subtle arch of his eyebrow. It's as if he's in the midst of an intricate ritual of curiosity or scepticism. The backdrop suggests a sheltered habitat, possibly a communal feeding area or a watering hole, because he's in a calf. Then he picks up his cup, takes a sip, and you hear David Attenborough say, Ah, in its natural environment, we observe the sophisticated homo sapiens engaging in a critical ritual of hydration. This male individual has selected a small cylindrical container, likely filled with life-sustaining H2O, and is tilting it expertly towards his intake orifice. Such grace, such poise. And it's actually quite hilarious to to, to watch, but uh, the... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, poor old David, David Attenborough. I think he's been doing it too long. Yeah. Um, I, I think he'll end up outliving himself somehow. Well, he's gone. He's become a climate change nutter. That's that's the problem. Mm. But that's the only way he can keep a job with the BBC. 
Well, yeah, this is true. Yeah, but I mean, I don't down downgrade anything he's made over the years. That's been mm. amazing. It has. But uh, but okay, so it, it's uh, is it a convince? Is it an AI voice of Attenborough? Yes. And is it convincing? Yes. So it, it, it's very very good. Yeah. Well, that's freaky. And of course, it'll even. I mean, it's not perfect if you listen to actual recordings of him and then this. If you analyze it very closely, you probably pick up some subtle differences. But um, for all accounts, um, if you weren't paying that close attention, you would assume it was actually him. Can I ask a dumb question? Who's Charlie Holtz? He's a, not, uh, shall we say, he's uh, not famous for anything that I'm aware of. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that answers that. All right. So, and that's easy to find on X. Is it? Yes. Um, if you wanna, if you wanna find uh, what he what he tweeted, because you don't say X, do you? You still say tweeted. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. His his handle is Charlie B Holtz. Okay. Find that on X. I, I think we're going to see quite a few of those sort of mistakes. Excuse my French. Yeah, I think we might. With AI, right? Yep. Okay, um, on to this story. Uganda Bureau of Statistics using fingerprints for their 2024 census coming yeah. to a country near you. Well, if you live in Uganda, so they do a census every 10 years. Um, and so the last one, clearly 2014. Um, so they're starting the census um, early May, and it's going to cost 132 billion Ugandan shillings, which is What's roughly- that in dollars? Wow, it's US thirty four point eight million. Okay, I don't know, don't know what that translates to local currency. Well, here it'd be about sixty seventy million here. Um, so that's uh, how how many um, uh, Ugandan? What was it dollars? Uh, one hundred and thirty two billion Ugandan shillings. Shillings. Okay, there you go. Yep. Wow. Okay, and that's getting everyone's fingerprints. So they'd have to have a database of everybody's fingerprints to compare them against, would they? Yeah, so um, th- they're um, getting 120,000 tablets and 38,000 of these have special features for verification and fingerprints, um, and they say that they'll be required for mass registration of people um, by the National Identification Registration Authority um, and verification of voters by the Electoral Commission, while the others will be retained by local governments there for picking data for community information systems. So, like, yeah, cool. So if you want to vote, you need to go and um, have your biometric information um, scraped and catalogued. And What do we think uh, about that? Uh, well, it's easy to see how it can be used and abused. I mean, even if you collect the stuff for it, um, apparently useful and good purposes, and I say good in this context in inverted commas, this is so easily manipulated and used against people. It really is. Because once you've got that, you can apply it to anything, potentially. Yeah, what do you do What do you do then? Sandpaper your fingerprints off? It's not, it's not like you're going to get a new set. It's like giving up your tr- your treasure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mind you, it's no different to having an iris scan or, or fa- well, even facial recognition, having your face on a database for that. 
Yeah, but you can you can full facial recognition systems. Right. Um, you can you know you can alter your your face to a point um, in a non permanent way. Um, yeah. To full such systems, um, iris scans, not so much. Um, fingerprints, no. Yeah. Um, and of course, these systems get broken into, and we all know that. Yeah, and before you know it. Um... You're putting your finger on something, and suddenly you're not allowed into that thing. Either that, or um, yeah, there's that, um, or uh, all of a sudden a needle pokes up through the middle and takes a blood sample, and the boy have captured your DNA as well. Yep, <laughs> and we see that you are a heart attack risk. Yeah, your insurance so, premium goes up. Yep, exactly. All right, well, that's interesting. Probably happened, like I say, coming to a country near us. You know, if they do it there, they'll probably do it here because, well, what happened with the last census for us? It was a bit of a... Um, it was a bit of a... Um, Dog's breakfast? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? And so was the one before that. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you have student activists running things. Hmm. Okay, Um Adobe, I know about this one because I've seen some of the images and they've been around for a bit. Courts, well, I don't know if they, they were Adobe images, but they were IA, IA, what's IA mm. stand for? AI-generated images of the Israel-Palestine violence. And on first look, they look, and I'm a I'm a pretty good Photoshop guy, so I know about these things. Mm. Um, I'm, a, I'm kind of the human AI interface to, to make those things. Um, but... Um, um, if you looked closely at some of these images that people have pulled out, they had extra items like extra toes yep. and and sort of uh, uh, morphing limbs. And one had a, a piece of a person. I think the image was someone carrying a kid on, on, on their back, but the body had somehow um, – what do they call those twins – conjoined t twins or whatever. That oh, had, yes. Yeah. It had, like, you know, become part of the same body. So they weren't too good. I'm presuming there are better ones than that, and if Adobe is generating them, they probably are. So more about that. Yes. Yeah, so this got reported by the Australian news outlet known as Crikey. Um, so yep, there was... Crikey, yep. Yep, there's a series of 33 images that were submitted by Adobe Stock. So... Um, as you sort of mentioned before, they're not actually generated by Adobe themselves, um, but they've already been used in a small number of of publications. But if you were if you were to pay attention and look real closely, then you the things that you mentioned can be observed. Um, and other things like misaligned windows, or you've got mismatched lighting and shadows. Like you've yeah. got a shadow, but the light source is not there, or it's in the wrong place in order to cast a shadow in that direction. Um, and even though all these images are tagged as a, being AI generated, they still got used anyway. I mean, even YouTube now has in their terms and conditions that when you're uploading a video that you need to tick a box if the content contains AI generated work. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, it's, um, yeah. Because hmm. even earlier this year, um, the, the site uh, Futurism found that the top image result on Google for the name of the famed realist artist Edward Hopper was an AI fake. <laughs> yeah. 
And of course, um, Adobe has been uh, advertising their generative AI model called Firefly for generating um, content. And of course, Adobe takes a cut from this. So that's how they've been making money from this, even though then they haven't been directly um, generating the work. Yeah. The, 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 obviously, the tools to create those sort of images are very powerful for any graphics person because yeah. it cuts down a hell of a lot of work potentially, though it is possible to make um, you know human-created AI images that are very good, but it just takes a long time. So um, this would speed it up. Speaking of um, of images, and not on the list, but I, I wonder if you've caught up with that uh, um, those two items of footage which supposedly show the disappearance of um, Malaysian Airlines MH3 Flight 370. Have you seen seen those? No, I have not seen those. Oh, well, have a look at those, and maybe next week we can talk about them hmm. because a raging debate as to whether they are authentic images or not. Okay, well, actually, so about yeah. um, about those, um, not that particular, but there's a tool that's been generated called Nightshade. Yep. And Nightshade is a tool that has been led by University of Chicago Professor Ben Zhao. And the whole purpose of it is to generate prompt-specific poison samples. Um, so what this does is, like, you're looking at an image and the image looks totally normal, whatever the, um, the picture is of. Yep. But built into the image that you can't see um, is poisoning uh, to scramble the digital brains of image generators like Stable Diffusion, which screws up their output. So okay. using using um, in the early experiments, um, Ben Zales and his team found that it only took 50 poisoned images to get an otherwise unmodified version of Stable Diffusion to create weird demented pictures when asked to draw a dog. So you feed it these these thirty poisoned images, and when you say "draw me a dog," um, we'd look at it, and go, "What the what, what's that?" It, and it's all screwed up, and things are all wrong. And then they gave it three hundred poison samples, which caused the machine learning output to uh, come up with images that look more like cats than a dog. Okay. So wow. the um. Of course, this isn't just limited to poisoning things like draw me a picture off a dog. So um, it, it you can go a, a lot further than this. Um, unfortunately, some people think, you know, this is a little bit too little too late, given the amount of um, artworks that people have created. And you've got photo, photo journalists that take actual images when they put their lives in the line when they go to uh, war environments and and take some photos even christchurch um museum had a national geographic display of some photographs from all kinds of environments and they are really really slick really slick work but hey this is this is something to you know get the get the ball started so you know this will help if it goes gets to go further to protect um original works um, oh, I see how people. that works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, yeah. big, because um, when you're training AI models, you often take other people's work. Yep. And you teach it like, here's what a dog looks like. Here's what a loaf of bread looks like. Here's what a um, bunch of daisies um, or a flower bouquet looks like. 
and then using that, it then comes up with with um, with other imagery. And what is it in the in the image that is the sort of digital poison? If we can't see it, is that ever, is that described at all? It, it's not described, but I suspect it'll it'll be um, um, extra metadata or um, other things like that. Things that don't render. When, right. when 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 we're viewing it, something that your image viewer would ignore, but an AI system looking at a fire would look at the whole thing. Though surely AI could be tweaked to know that. Yes, and so you get the cat and mouse game again. Yep. Um, just going back to what were we talking about earlier? Oh yeah, the um, was it um, um going back to the moon or whatever? But uh, I um. I saw a video the other day of a, is it Boston Robotics? Is that the company that makes robots? Uh, Boston Dynamics. Dynamics. And the video was of a woman reporter who was um, asked to try and push over the robot. She couldn't do it. Yeah. And this thing was so good on its feet, it could do, you know, somersaults, many somersaults and everything, that... And this is where it gets to AI. Simple bit of programming, and it would go and kill everything in the street. Yep. We're we're that far away from it. Yep. And there's no physically stopping it. There will be a way, but you'll you'll need something bigger than pushing it over with your hands because, I mean, I've seen footage where they've uh, put those on but if you remember the old TV program, you know, the Krypton factor yep. and they've had these things running along, jumping over things. And as you see, do somersaults, yes. um, jumping over low walls and stuff like that. Um, they've had other ones where they, uh, what are they? Four, maybe six legged um, creatures. Yep. That, like you know, dogs. Like oh, dogs. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they flip over backwards and do all kinds of things. You know that there's going to be whole armies of those things. Yeah, well, we're going to no have to No one will stand a chance, mate. We'll have to start walking around with EMP cannons. Yeah, so you, you blast them with a sort of like a um, huge bit of EMF or something. Yeah, electromagnetic pulse. Okay. Isn't that what nuclear explosions do? Uh, that's one of the things they, they are known for doing, yeah. Yep. Okay. All right, so, yeah, that cat and mouse game, okay, that was a bit of a diversion, but when it comes to... Uh, training, uh, there'll be a whole science, probably is already, but it will be more refined, won't it, in, in training AI, because you don't want to train AI to be stupid. Yeah, um, I, I suppose stupidity sort of implies, well, I know, I, I'm thinking well, 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 to be caught up ways in all that these... could be interpreted, how that could be interpreted, stupid <laughs> as in like lacking um, and academic intelligence um is it stupid in terms of lacking uh, practical intelligence um well you know just um like having poison images you know you, you, you hmm. you'd want ai to sort of rise above all that at some point i would imagine yeah because you know um it's being reported in uh legacy media um how uh, a lot of the um Image recognition is um, being biased towards those who are of a certain nationality um, or um, cultural um, ethnic background in New Zealand. And despite despite these biases and shortcomings, they decided to roll it out anyway. 
Well, it's easy to fool people. Um, when the COVID um, uh, injectables were were big, I created an image of me on Photoshop of getting the injection. Mm -hmm. I found someone else doing an injection on someone, put myself in exactly the same situation um, with the same lighting, because you touched on that before, Snap that, and then I um, seamlessly put the two together, and I showed a few people, and they were absolutely convinced it was never questioned. Yep. Um, I never had to to bring it out in anger, <laughs> <laughs> but it was always there just in case, right? Yeah. Yep. As a uh, as as a misdirection image, if it was required, mm. but people are very quick to believe what they see. Yes, they are. Yep, they don't question. It's freaky, even if the thing's got three arms, you know. Okay, anything else to talk about? I think we've just about covered it in the time. We've got a bit tight for time this morning. Um, any uh, final comments or any heads up on what we might be doing? I, I want to talk about those video images next week, so maybe you can get a look at those. I'll get your opinion on those. Yep, no, that sounds good. Yeah, we can do that next time. And if people want to get in touch, they can email um, Tech Tuesday, attention, Stephen Sykes, uh, that's inbox at realitycheck.radio, or you can text. And in the, I think you can put in the subject line, or there's an identifier there um, who that should go to, and it'll get to Stephen as well. All right, Stephen, there goes another Tech Tuesday. Let's do it all again in a week. Sounds good to me. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Thank you for tuning in to RCR, Reality Check Radio. If you like what you're listening to, or dislike what you're listening to. Either way, we want to hear from you. Get in touch with us now. You can text us with your message to 2057. That's 2057. Or email us at inbox at realitycheck.radio. We would love to hear from you, so connect with us today.